Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the world-famous Jiggy Jaguar radio program. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had a linguist. no idea. <laughs> I, love I didn't that. know you were, but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Daddy, hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? You must be that. Uh, <laughs> Great name, man. Thanks for coming. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. Welcome to the next edition of the world famous Chicky Jaguar radio broadcast, coast to coast and boulder to boulder on 50 plus AM FM stations across the country and around the world. KFRK in Denver, World Radio Network. Also, find us on the mix on Tuesdays, Sunday radio broadcast each and every week, and Talk America Live each and every Saturday. Download our podcast at TalkShoe or go to JIGGYJGUAR.com for more information. We have been talking a little bit about these folks. We're going to continue to talk about these folks because they are absolutely amazing. They are our worldwide. Check out tiny.cc slash FHF18. Uh, that's the GoFundMe link to a uh, incredible family house fire. The family's house burned down a few weeks ago, and my mom barely made it out alive and only had time to grab some shoes at her cat. House is completely destroyed, and it's still an investigation as to what happened exactly. But it's looking like poor electrical wiring because it made its way through the attic very quickly, not showing up on top of the roof, and therefore causing the firefighters to believe it was smaller than it actually was. Well, I'm currently living in Istanbul working on a documentary on the Syrian refugee crisis and working as an ESL teacher. So I'm not able to go home, and I'm trying to help from abroad as best I can. Check out GoFundMe.com. Search Family House Fire 18. Don't put any spaces in there. Just do Family House Fire 18. No spaces. Don't put any spaces in there. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to lose them in the search. Okay, we are going to patch in our co-hosts here, Dan Perkins and IQL Rizzoli, and we will get started here on our big program here, uh, Coast to Coast and Boulder to Boulder on TuneIn, iTunes, and Radio Loyalty here, live as live can get, and uh, it is uh, an interesting afternoon here on our on our big broadcast, we have got 
all sorts of things happening. So we are going to uh, try to patch Dan Perkins in. And uh, then we are going to uh, patch in Al Rizzoli as well. And uh, get them as part of our program here. We've got our guest patiently waiting for us on the phone here in just a few seconds. And uh, going to patch in Dan Perkins here as well. And uh, IQ, can you hear me, my friend? I'm with you. and you fine. And Dan is waiting for you also. Yes, I am uh, trying to patch him in as we speak here. And uh, we have got a great guest with us today here on our big broadcast. Uh, Daniel P. Barfuco is with us. He's the author of Consider the Evidence. A trial lawyer examines eyewitness testimony in defense of the reliability of the New Testament. And he joins us today here on the broadcast. Um, why, why don't I patch Dan Perkins in here, uh, Daniel? Tell us about your book. Sure. Um, I wrote a book, sort of like apologetics to the layperson, because uh, I am a trial lawyer, as you may know, and uh, I've been many discussions defending the Christian faith uh, over the years. It all started at a party in which I was uh, invited to, uh, you know, attend with a bunch of other trial lawyers, and we got into a debate on my friend's deck, and the party split in two. And when I left. I felt that I didn't do an adequate job of defending the Christian point of view. I said, I knew I was a good lawyer, you know, I win cases, but, you know, I felt like I needed to know more about why we believe the things we believe as Christians. So I then set on basically a 20-year course of studying and got a master's degree in theology. This debate has continued with my friend, and recently he said, you know what, you've just about destroyed every one of my arguments. He said, I don't have anything else to say. So um, I, I, I do feel it's important for Christians to know why they believe what they believe, because as you can see, uh, the culture and the faith is under attack. And as, as C.S. Lewis said, uh, we shouldn't believe these things unless they're true. And if they're not true, well, well, then let's move on. But they are true, and they are defensible, and we need to know why. Now, IQ, what do you make of this book? Well, it sounds very very important and interesting simply because as you said uh, Judeo-Christianity especially is under attack in Europe and under attack in America which is very surprising because Europeans and Americans are supposed to be more Christians than usual and they're not secularism has, take over, has taken over in Europe and I applaud the gentleman for doing so I hope he will be very successful because many Christians in Europe well, theologians anyway, in the clergy, are now, or have been for the last 10 years, trying to make rapport with Islam. They talk about Islam. Well, it is impossible for Islam and Christianity to coexist simply because Islam considers Jesus only a human being, not the Son of God. How about you, sir? What do you think? Well, you know, I think we, we should live at peace as much as possible with everyone, the Bible says. And you're right, the, the two religions, they both can't be correct. I mean, as a matter of fact, they are contradictory on the crucial issue of who Jesus is. Uh, Islam certainly reveres Christ, uh, Jesus, not as Christ, but as, uh, as a man, as a prophet. Uh, and so fully two-thirds of the world's religions, two-thirds of the world's people, something like five billion people, have a very high opinion of Jesus, which itself is remarkable after 2,000 years. However, on the crucial issue which matters most, namely, did Jesus die on the cross for our sins 
and did he rise again, uh, the Quran flat out says that it did not happen, that uh, Jesus was not crucified at all. In fact, later Muslim uh, uh, theologians uh, and traditions say that uh, that they, the Romans crucified Judas in his place, that the G- Judas was made to look like Jesus, and they essentially they got the wrong guy, and Jesus was up in heaven looking at the whole thing, sort of amused by it, and saying, well, they got the wrong guy. Well, that's, that's what Islam teaches. Now, of course, they weren't, the people who wrote the Quran, Muhammad, who's allegedly dictated the Quran, wasn't even born when these events happened, when we have the disciples, the apostles, who were actually at the crucifixion. So the question as a trial lawyer is, who, do we, who are we going to believe? The people who were there and could see it and knew what they were talking about, or a prophet who said something 600 years later? So I think that's a pretty obvious answer to that question. You're absolutely right. I asked exactly the same questions in my articles about Islam. It is impossible for Allah to be the same as the God of the Bible. It is impossible. It's a physical and theological impossibility. For exactly what you just said. And this is an example that I use to destroy the idea that Allah is the same as the God of the Bible. Because in one verse, Allah says that he revealed the Gospels to Jesus. Well, all four Gospels assert that Jesus died on the cross and three days later was resurrected. But then another verse comes back and says that Jesus did not die on the cross and look alike died. Now, how is it possible that Allah lied to Muhammad? Because in the first case, he said he revealed the Gospels to Jesus and the Gospels say he died on the cross. So now he contradicts himself. It is impossible well, for him to contradict himself. Well, that, that, that's, that's 100% correct. And not only that, even Muhammad himself said when he received these uh, revelations in the cave that he wasn't sure they were from God. And, you know, he spoke to his wife and she essentially said, well, go ahead, run with it. But, you know, I'm obviously I'm paraphrasing. So if Muhammad himself wasn't sure that these revelations were from God, and really all of Islam is built on Muhammad, you know, I think that, you know, we have to examine the question in these ways. Now, Christianity, on the other hand, is built solidly on the testimony of the martyrs, the blood of the martyrs. I mean, these were people who were crucified upside down. They were sword in half. They were whipped. They were beaten. They were boiled in oil. Uh, they were basically cross-examined to death. You know, uh, I, I cross-examine people for a living. I'm a trial lawyer. That's one of the reasons why the book is done so well, because I handle injury and malpractice cases all over the country. And we question, I believe in cross-examination, because if you cross-examine a witness, when they have a bad story or a fake story, it typically unravels with just a few questions. Uh, imagine if I had an instrument of torture in my hand and I approached a witness. You better believe I'd get the truth out of them. No, nobody lies in the face of something like that. Nobody lies knowing they're going to, to their death. And yet every one of the apostles went to their death proclaiming that we have seen the risen Christ. And furthermore, I find that it's the most important issue. As Paul said, if Christ is not risen, we are of all men most miserable. Our faith is in vain, our hope is in vain, and we are dead in our sins. But in the very next, and basically he says, and we should just, you know, we, are, we should just forget the whole thing. It's all a big hoax. But then he says in the next verse, but Christ is indeed risen. And so we have a firm hope and, and a firm faith based on that historical fact, as implausible as it may be, that Jesus Christ 
rose from the dead, was seen by over 500 witnesses, one of whom was his brother, who did a 180-degree turnaround from thinking that Jesus was insane to then not only believing, becoming, but then becoming a leader of the, of the church in Jerusalem and ultimately being martyred. You know, if my brother claimed to be God, I would rightly think that he was nuts. And James felt that way. And yet that same James was willingly martyred for his belief that Jesus was indeed God in human form. That, that's incredible. By the way, without being patronizing, you are the first person I have listened to who actually studied the Quran. I'm not kidding with you. Out of 338 well, in Americans, you are the only one who came to the perfect and most relevant conclusion that if Jesus did not die on the cross according to the Quran, then Christianity cannot exist because without death and resurrection, there is no Christianity. None. You are the only one I've heard who knows that. Amazing. Well, you know, as a trial, as a trial lawyer, I have to know my adversary. Or my, I wouldn't say adversary because I don't want to be enemies of anybody. But I, I, I want to know my opponent's case. I want to know the other side's case. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to win arguments. I'm trying to win people. And the goal of this book, Consider the Evidence, that's the name of the book, Consider the Evidence, a trial lawyer examines eyewitness testimony in defense of the reliability of the New Testament. The goal of this book is to lay out all of the evidence in a very easy-to-read way so that people, uh, the average person can pick it up and read it in a couple of nights. It's not a scholarly work. It's not meant to be. It's meant to be very simple and, and, and to give them a basic education so they can defend their faith you know, on their job, at the school, you know, to their neighbors, you know, wherever they are. These arguments that I raise, many of them are not new. Uh, they've been around for hundreds of years. Uh, but the thing is, people don't know them. And we have very good reasons for why we believe that the New Testament is the Word of God. There are excellent reasons for that. Let me ask you a question, please. As a trial lawyer, if somebody comes to you with a case, like Muhammad did, Muhammad said that he received revelations from Allah through the angel Gabriel. But let me tell you something. I've, spent, I've been studying the Quran for the last 30, 40 years, literally. I know it inside out. Question. How is it possible that he was able to communicate with the angel of Allah called Jibreel or Gabriel, yet not a single one of his companions and not one of his wives ever heard him talk to each other? nor have they seen him and the angel Gabriel together. So somebody comes to you with a court, in a court of law and says, I have received revelations without a single witness. Would you accept it? Well, I, first of all, I'm very careful about the cases I take. And, uh, you know, I would have a hard time defending that position because it's, it's pretty thin. It's really not based on anything except the man's word. Now, of course, you know, if you criticize Muhammad, people get upset, but they, they at least need to know that they're basing their eternal destiny on the testimony of one person. And so then the next thing you have to do whenever a witness testifies is you have to look at the character of the person. Is this a person who is truthful? Is this a person who loves other people? Is this a person who's self-sacrificing? Is this a person who wants to take care of others? Is this a selfish person or a selfless person? Now, I'm not going to go there, but I think when you look at the life of Jesus and you compare it to the life of Muhammad, you see a very different contrast. You see a very different person. Uh, uh, Jesus laid down his life for others. 
Jesus didn't kill anybody. Jesus didn't rape anybody. Jesus didn't make war on anybody. Jesus, if there was any suffering involved, Jesus did the suffering. And that's how it is with Christians. You know, the, the New Testament is really the, 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 Christianity is really the only religion in the world where by reading their scriptures, namely the New Testament, you cannot make a case for violence against any human being. The, the only violence recorded in the New Testament is against us believers, and we're told to endure it quietly and to turn the other cheek. So, you know, when you look at it that way, it, it's the most pe it should be the most peaceful and all-loving of religions, Christianity. In fact, Jesus said, you will know them, meaning us, by their love. And so, you know, when you, when you look at that, and if you put that type of person on the stand, you put Christ on the stand, I mean, his testimony is very, very compelling. You put the apostles on the stand, Peter. Peter said, we're not followers of cleverly invented fables, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, meaning Christ's majesty. John writes, that which we have handled, that which we have touched, that, uh, that which we have heard and seen with our eyes, this we declare to you concerning the word of truth. You know, they were there. They were with Jesus. They lived with him for three years. They were at the crucifixion, and they saw him raised from the dead, and they died for that testimony. I, I don't think he could have a stronger case than that. Now, uh, Dan, Dan Perkins, uh, are, are you on line with us? Yes, sir, I am. Uh, I'm listening, listening to this discussion between IQ and your guest. Uh, what, 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 what do you make of all this, my friend? Well, I, I, I feel like I would like to uh, ask perhaps uh, a different question of our guests. I'm curious um, at the success that ISIS is having all over the world in, recru in recruiting both young men and young women away from Christianity, away from secularism to join their movement. Wh wh why do you think that's happening? Is that for me, Dan, but if you go? Yes, yes it is. Yes, go yes. ahead. Okay. Um, well, I'm not an expert on ISIS, okay, but I, I, I sort of understand spiritual matters, and I would submit that the people who are, are you're saying are Christian are not truly Christian. Because once you've tasted and, and, and experienced the Lord, Christ, and you get to know Jesus, and you get to know Jesus from the Scripture, you know, St. Jerome, who translated the Latin Vulgate in 384 A.D. at the request of Pope, Pope Damascene I, he was a scholar of the highest rank, and he, he translated the whole Bible, and he said, to know the Scripture is to know Christ. To not know the Scripture is to not know Christ. If you know Christ, there's no way you're going to be led astray to follow anybody else. It's just not possible. I mean, the people, people can be Christian with a small c, you know, maybe their parents were Christian, or they went to Sunday school, or they were baptized. That doesn't make you a Christian. I cover that in the book. A Christian is someone who follows Christ. That doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you're sincerely trying to follow the leader, and Christ is the leader. Now, if you're following Christ, there's no chance that you're going to abandon him, because even Peter, who, who sat and listened to some of the hard teachings of Christ, when Jesus said a hard teaching, some people walked away because they weren't true followers. And then G Jesus turned to Peter and said, would you like to leave also? And Peter said, where should we go, Master? You have the words of eternal life. And he's right. So why would... The only reason I could think of for anyone to go to ISIS is they're looking for a religious experience. They haven't found it in the church because the church has become powerless. The church has is, is, is become basically either a country club or a concert these days. And have you been to church lately? I mean, you know, basically it's all about music and about the performance. 
and people are, aren't listening to any of the true teachings of the New Testament. It's become a very self-centered, materialistic Christianity. And so, you know, all the studies say that when a religion or an organization demands a lot from people, when it demands a lot from people, it attracts adherence. And we've watered down Christianity, meaning, meaning the American and the Western Church, we've watered it down to the point where it's lost all its power. And so something like ISIS comes along, and it's exciting. You know, join the club, you know marauding, you rape women, you shoot people. I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun to somebody who really has nothing else to do. It's like being a pirate. You know, I mean, why did, why did Blackbeard get people to follow him? Well, the same reason ISIS gets people. It's, it's really just a, a big, giant marauding party over there. And uh, so, so I can't imagine that those people were ever Christian in the first place. You'd never be able to do that if you were a Christian. So the 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 Muslim faith uh, and the ISIS leadership now expands, uh, according to the State Department, in over 32 nations around the world, some more powerful than others. And and we we saw firsthand experience of the Muslim migration into Germany and Central and Western Europe, where they refused, and I and and IQ and I both wrote a commentary for um, Clash Daily on the inability of the Muslims to assimilate in Judeo-Christian cultures anywhere in the world. Um, More like the refusal. <laughs> well, the IQ, the expert, would, would say, I believe, that the religion forbids them by chapter and verse to associate and assimilate with Christians and Jews. Um, Yet, uh, it would appear that looking what's going on, what has gone on in Europe, is that that political correctness is extremely powerful in protecting Muslims. And their ability... Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think that we have to be careful here because there are plenty of people that maybe are under the umbrella of being Muslim that, you know, are very lovable, likable, kind people, you know, and that you'll run into, you know, you know, in the corner, in the, the gas station, in the bank, you know, as a, as a doctor, I have friends who are Muslim that are doctors. And my problem is not with them. Or, or their culture, or, or anything. But it, it, the, the problem is that is how how closely are you following Muhammad? You know, I mean, if if you the, the Muslims we like tend to say are actually not following Islam, and, and I think that, you know it's just almost like with Christianity. You know, the Christians, you know, people say Christians do bad things, and they and, and, and yes, well, Christians of course do bad things. We're not perfect. Well, when we, when we as Christians do bad things, we're not following the teachings of Christ. When a Muslim does the things that we don't like, uh, like join ISIS, he technically is following the teachings of Muhammad. And I think that's the difference. That's all the difference in the world. So uh, depending on the Muslim that you get, it's, it's on a case-by-case basis, you know. Some Muslims are, you know, have spiritualized the Quran to the point of, you know, jihad just means you know, um, you know, be be a good person and 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 try to spread the Muslim faith peacefully. Where others take the word jihad very literally, which is I think how Muhammad meant it, which basically you should kill anyone who doesn't believe what you believe. 
So, uh, you know, it's, it's really, and again, I'm, I'm not an expert on Islam. I know I know some things. I would defer to IQ on this. But, um, you know, you'd have to ask him that question. But I think that's, I think that's what makes the most sense to me. We, uh, we have had this, IQ and I have not had a debate about it, but we've talked about it, that, there, uh, that the, the Christians around the world have, in recent years, raised the question, why hasn't the moderate Muslim people risen up to, to, to stifle the, quote, radical Muslims? And IQ would say that there is no such thing as a moderate Muslim. Am I correct, IQ? You are absolutely correct. By the way, uh, the gentleman himself is really, he knows about Islam, but he's being very careful. With all due respect, I understand that. I am from across the pond. Atiyah Rasuli is my, not my actual name, obviously for security reasons. That's, but I don't care. I'm so politically incorrect, I don't care. I tell it the way it is. It is impossible, in a nutshell, it is impossible for any Muslim to be both a good Muslim and a loyal citizen among non-Muslims. It is also impossible for any Muslim to speak about being a peaceful person. Because every single Muslim, by definition, because they follow Sharia, are the eternal and mortal enemies of every human being on the planet who is not a Muslim. Why? It is mandated in Muhammad's Quran. All I ask from anybody, and I have reached millions of people, find fault with what I say. So far, I have not had a single Imam or a scholar of Islam debate me. Back to you, sir. Well, the issue, though, IQ, yeah. is that is that that they they the idea that and this is another point that IQ and I have talked about. If you look at the history of the world religions, for everything from Christianity to um, Buddhist, Jews, Baptists, whatever, every major religion of the world. Has, some, has had some form of modification over its history, with the one exception, and that is the Muslim faith. They have not changed, as Muhammad said, do not change a dot in, in the Quran and, and Sharia law, so that we, when we, we see the initial reaction of President Obama to the beheading of that reporter we had the Secretary of State John Kerry and the President say how barbaric is it but if, you're, if your rules of conduct were written in the 6th, 7th century and you haven't changed, there's been no reformation in that period of time 1300 years you are still using the same rules and regulations that were issued at the time that the religion was being founded now, IQ would say, well, and you correct me if I'm wrong, IQ, that Islam is not a religion. Islam is not a religion. Islam is a cult belief system, the cult of Muhammad. The reason is simple, by the way, when you study again. Allah is only mentioned in the Quran by Muhammad to give his book, which is the Quran, because nobody revealed anything to Muhammad. Allah revealed nothing 
Gabriel revealed nothing. Every letter, every word, every chapter, every verse in the Quran are the product of Muhammad, the secretions of Muhammad's mind. But very cleverly projected into the unsuspecting mouth of Allah and Gabriel to give them the aura of sanctity and divinity. It is impossible for any god to reveal such crap for as a religion. Islam, every Muslim, by definition, by Sharia, is hate-mongering, war-mongering, misogynist, racist, duplicitous, intolerant, vile. He can't help it because the Quran says so. Who says in the Quran? Muhammad, as we agreed. It is impossible for anybody who is a god to contradict himself in two verses of the Quran. By the way, I can show you 30 different verses in the Quran that contradict the Bible and the New Testament. So it is impossible yeah, I, I, God to do I, that. I don't, I don't think you can reconcile the religions, and I'm not here to, to uh, criticize Islam. I'm here to defend Christianity because, really, that's what my book is about. My book is about is basically to explain why we believe the Christian faith is true. Now, C.S. Lewis said, um, Christianity, if not true, is of zero importance. But if it is true, it is of infinite importance. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. And that's really what, what this is all about. You know, Christianity claims to be uh, the one and only way to God and the one and only way to have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus was very clear about that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. Now, I, I've sponsored debates. Um, I was actually a moderator in a debate between James White and the leading imam in, um, in New York City. I forget his name, but he had the largest church. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, he had the largest mosque in uh, New York City. And we had this debate of all places in a, in a, in a church. It was a Lutheran church, if I recall, it was about seven years ago. And I was the moderator. And I started the debate. And, and a lot of Muslims attended, and a lot of Christians. It was packed. It was a packed house. There were probably 600 people there. And I was the moderator, and I got up, and I said, listen, I said, I want you to come here, whoever you are, Christian or Muslim, with an open mind, because what you're going to hear today is evidence. That's by the name of my book, Consider the Evidence. Right? I said, we tell every jury before we start every trial that we need to decide the case, and it's important. You know, matters of the soul are important. I say truth is important. Truth about God is especially important. And truth about your eternity, at least for you, is supremely important. So I said, let's keep your eyes and your minds and your hearts open. Listen to both sides of the arguments. Let nobody get violent or upset. You know, just listen patiently. Let both sides make their points. And you guys decide what is the better, uh, uh, you know, more, more truthful rendition of what God is like, which scriptures are more likely to be from God. And, you know, I, that debate lasted about two hours. There were no outbursts. Some Muslims left because it was time to pray, and then they came back, and we, we gave them a break. At the end of that debate, 300 people, 300 Muslims asked for Bibles. And, you know, all I'm saying is that let's have the discussion, because, you know, uh, everybody's afraid to talk about these and I, I, these things, and I want to talk about them. The Bible says, "Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that was in, is within you," and, and, and do it, but do it with gentleness and respect. So, again, I'm here to defend the claims of Christianity. I'm here to defend the, the, the writings of the New Testament, how they were recorded, how they were preserved, why I believe they're accurate, how there's corroborating evidence from Roman sources, ancient Roman sources, ancient Jewish sources. 
uh, archaeology, geology, anything that you can come up with, science, wherever we can find any way to corroborate the Bible, it always is 100% accurate. And never been one way where it's been contradicted. So I'm here to defend that and to say let's look at this stuff and look at the evidence with a critical eye and then let's make a decision. And, you know, ultimately uh, God is going to sort it all out and uh, I just want to present the truth to people. That's that's my goal. I want to win the person. I don't want to win the argument. I want to win the person because I think lives and souls are important. So if you go back, uh, I would be fascinated by your response to the question. If Christianity is so powerful, why is why is it that the Muslim faith, religion, cult, whatever you want to call it, growing in population, where the Christian religions around the world are diminishing in presence? Well, I believe there are several reasons for that. I think the first and obvious reason is many Muslim converts are created at the point of the sword. There's tremendous pressure to convert to uh, to uh, to Islam. They're not really given much of an option. They have no life if they don't, you know, you know, play by the rules. And they're in mostly Muslim countries. And as our friend here, IQ, is saying, they don't always necessarily play fair. So you have tremendous social, economic, and actual intimidation pressure to conform. Whereas Christianity is, is only going to spread by persuasion. And, and, and it does, it actually spreads very well by persuasion. If you think about it, there was utterly no reason in the first century for anybody to become a Christian. It came at a great cost. They didn't get any benefit, no earthly benefit by believing in Jesus. In fact, it was the opposite. Usually you lost all your property, you were persecuted, you were hunted, and you were killed. And as Tertullian, an early church father, said, the blood of the martyr is the, is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. By the way, he was a lawyer also, and he was an African. But the thing I'm trying to say is that Christianity spreads in spite of the fact that there's no earthly reason to, to convert. Whereas Islam spreads precisely because there's every reason to convert. So right there is one of the major differences. And if people aren't serious about eternal things, if they're only living for this life, then yeah, I think Islam would probably be, be a better choice. If, if you if you want to, you know, live in a Muslim country and and you don't care about God, you know, where you spend eternity, you just want to make the expedient choice. Well, then by all means, pick Islam because you fit right in. Uh, if you pick Christianity, you're going to get the crap beat out of you. You're going to get hunted down. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be boycotted. You're going to be beat up. You're going to be killed. So there's many reasons why uh, people, uh, you know, don't want to uh, become Christians. But yet, in spite of that, Christianity is still the largest, second, first or second largest religion, depending on how you count it, in the entire world. And, and the other thing is, Christianity, we have to understand that Jesus said that Christianity is a, is a religion where you take up your cross. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. That's not a popular teaching especially in the self-indulgent age, which is why Jesus also said the road is narrow that leads to life, and there'd be few that find it, but broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there'd be many that find it. I submit to you that many of the so-called Christians aren't Christians at all. They're just Christian in name only, because true Christianity comes with a price, and many people aren't willing to pay that price. Fantastic. We have got a uh, great guest with us today. 
He joins us live here with Dan Perkins and IQ Rizzoli, Daniel P. Betafuco. He has uh, got Consider the Evidence, which is uh, a trial lawyer examines eyewitness testimony in defense of the reliability of the New Testament. And uh, IQ, uh, this this is a fantastic, fantastic interview today. Um, do you have any more questions uh, for, for Daniel? Yes, I just want to make a comment. Yes, go ahead. You mentioned the reformation in Christianity. In Islam, there is a reformation, and it is going on as we speak. ISIS is the reformation of Islam. Why? Because ISIS wants to go to the source. ISIS wants to go to the 7th century Arabia under Muhammad. It is the reformation, because they consider anybody who does not follow them is not Islamic enough. But it is a reformation, by the way. Of course, it is not a positive reformation, it is retrograde. What do you think? If that's directed to me, I, I would have to defer to you on that because I, I see it the same way. They want to get back to basics. And, uh, you know, whereas the Protestant Reformation was, let's get back to the basics of the Bible, uh, you're right, the Islamic Reformation, as you called it, is to get back to the basics of Islam, which essentially means to go back to the 7th century and to take the Quran literally. And if that happens, there's going to be a clash of civilizations. I mean, I, I, I really think that Western civilization is in trouble if enough Muslims take that literally, if enough pe Muslims jump on that bandwagon. I think that's why people like John Kerry and Barack Obama sort of uh, put, a, put a smiley face on Islam and basically wanted to tone down the rhetoric because they don't want to encourage, uh, they don't want to alienate the so-called moderate Muslims to join that reformation. And so that's why they sort of are very careful how they speak and how they act. But I, I think anyone reading the Quran realizes it's a very violent, bloody, you know, uh, non-peaceful document. There's no other way to describe it. It's the exact opposite of the New Testament, really. You, you have to pick one. It's one or the other. So let me uh, let me follow up with another question. Do we have time, Jim? Oh yeah, yeah, we've got time. Dan Daniel, do you have a little bit of give you a little bit more time to hang out with us? Yeah, I got about another 15 minutes. I okay, yeah, go, okay. go ahead, Dan. Thank you. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading about uh, not religion or politics, but demographics. The the Muslim faith, the last number I saw, people who declare themselves to be Muslims represent approximately 1.3 billion people in the world. It is the fastest growing segment of the population in the world, primarily because the birth rates are much higher in the Muslim community than almost anywhere else in the world. So their families are larger, they're breeding more people, they are now probably 25 to 30% of the world's population. If I look at the demographics of the Christians and the Jews, the populations are aging, declining, and the replacement rate is not being met with new births. We are headed, potentially, from a demographic standpoint, of world domination based on sheer population. Does that concern you? 
yeah, yeah, yes. In fact, I, I was going to mention that uh, that is the other way that the Muslim religion is spreading more rapidly than any other faith is by the birth rate. And I think, especially in Western Europe, we have something like a negative birth rate because people are dying faster than they're being replaced. Now, that we can we can also add to that, however, that in China, as we speak, something like thirty thousand people a day are converting to Christianity. That's a huge number. 30,000 people a day are converting to Christianity. Another one of the reasons I wrote this book, Consider the Evidence, is to provide a Judeo-Christian context for people, our brothers and sisters in the East, um, who don't have a Judeo-Christian context. You know, uh, my mother was a piano teacher, and she teaches a lot of uh, Chinese and Asian students, and they come into her studio, and they see a Christmas tree, and the first thing they say is, what's that? So the Christmas tree, then what's Christmas? This is the birth of Jesus. And they say, who's Jesus? They don't even know. They've never heard of Jesus. They've never heard of the Messiah. They have no concept of sin. They have a shame culture. In other words, they are conscious of shame, but not of, of legal transgression before God, before a holy God. And so when my mother-in-law speaks to them about Christ, uh, they're fascinated, and they come back with their parents, and they ask questions. And this is happening in China as we speak According to some studies, anywhere from 16,000 to 100,000, so I, I've sort of got that about 30,000 a day are converting to Christianity, and often, with no, again, with no earthly benefit. These are people that are coming, they're being persecuted, their churches are being shut down, bulldozed. I don't know if you read this stuff, but there's a lot of persecution in China from the government, because the government does not want anything that rivals uh, them for, for influence in people's lives, and certainly Jesus demands full lordship, and the, and the government of China demands full lordship, and so that's a conflict that's in the making, and yet, in spite of that, there are a lot of people converting to Christianity, so Christianity is attractive, and I'll tell you why, because the Bible says, what does it profit a man, he gains the whole world, but loses his soul, so you can have everything in this world, but if your eternity is not secure, what did you really gain? I mean, you know, what do you live for? You have a really long life. You live for 90, 100 years. All right, big deal. But eternity is forever. And Jesus said he promised us eternal life. Now, either, that, either the New Testament is the biggest hoax that was ever played on the his, in, the, in the history of the world, or it is the Word of God, because the Bible claims to be the Word of God over 2,000 times. And I cover this in the book. And again, I made it very readable. These are very... These are arguments and principles that have been around for hundreds, in some cases thousands of years, and I, I package them in a modern form, and I made it very accessible to people, so they consider the evidence. That's what I want people to do, consider the evidence, and know why you believe it. If you're a Christian, and you're listening to me, you need to know why you believe these things. You need to know why you're a Christian. Don't just be a Christian because you go to church and you like a song, or you like the girl that took you, or you feel the goosebumps down your spine when you pray and you have your hands in the air. That's not the reason to be a Christian. You should be a Christian because it's true, because it's right, because it's a correct uh, assessment of how God is and who he is and what he expects of us and how to be right with him. That's why we're Christians, and for no other reason. There are a lot of things in the Bible that I don't like, that I wish weren't in there, you know. But you know what? Those, those, I believe it's true, so I try the best that I can to follow it. I don't always love it. There are some hard teachings, you know. Nobody wants to be told to take their cross. That's not fun. But you know what? It's better to do that now and face God with a clean heart than to have to worry about it, you know, to, to just die and, and, and just wonder what's going to happen. That's a very risky strategy for Judgment Day, in my opinion. I think it's really dumb. Today uh, I heard a story uh, on the complaint filed by the Pakistani government with the Chinese government 
concerning the internment camps in eastern China, Western China, where there are hundreds of thousands of Muslims who have been rounded up and put into internment camps. Are you familiar with those? I have not heard that, but I will tell you, I don't think anybody should be treated like that. doesn't matter. I mean, human beings should be treated with dignity and respect as best as we can. Well, it's, it's apparently the, the, the Chinese government is running these camps and are, are arresting these Muslims and torturing them, try them to get them to renounce their, their Muslim uh, uh, traditions. And um, uh, they are... Well, they don't want Sharia law either, apparently. <laughs> you know, they no, just they go about it in a different way. No, they want, they want the Communist Party. I was just curious whether you was, were aware of that. Um, no, no, I'm, I'm not, but I'm not surprised because they'll do whatever it takes to exalt the party. You know, in, in the Chinese leadership, their religion is, is money and power. That's their religion. So if, if it's Islam or Christianity that interferes with that, they're going to they're gonna be, they're going to react badly. I'm not surprised. Do you, um, do you expect a shift in the growth of the Muslim people and uh, greater conversions to... I know IQ has said that the, the Muslim leaders in, in uh, especially the, the, uh, in, in Iran uh, are, my words not his, but very concerned, if, if not afraid, about the number of young people that may be converting from the Muslim religion to Christianity. Um, well, well, I think IQ is 100% right. I report some reading that uh, people are coming to Christ in, in Muslim countries in, in record numbers, and many of them are coming through supernatural means, from what I'm hearing, through visions, through dreams, um, and through uh, very strange circumstances, uh, almost supernaturally. You know, I'm not sure what that means. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not an expert on these things. I mean, I know what I wrote. I know my research. I know what I've gotten involved with. I, I didn't really cover much in terms of Islam. Most of my expertise is in the evidence for Christianity, and I am an expert in evidence because I'm a trial lawyer, uh, but, but I will tell you that I'm not surprised, and, and in my casual reading, I have run across that, that in not only Iran, but in other Muslim countries, it, you know, it seems to me that when people are confronted with the harsh realities of life, that Christianity offers the most hope it offers, uh, it offers hope, some people would say it's pie in the sky, but it's not. It's, it's legitimate hope for eternal life. That's what Jesus promised. And again, C.S. Lewis said it best. He said, Jesus is either Lord, lunatic, or liar. There's, there's, he didn't give us any option to say he's just a great moral teacher, but he's not God in human form. He never gave us that option. He's either everything he said he was, or he's a madman, or he's a deceiver. There's no middle ground there. It's, it's, it's just one of those things. The, the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did, which were recorded by eyewitnesses, are, are to such an extent and so extreme that he either has to be in one of those three categories. He's either a, a nut job or he's either a, a, a total deceiver or he's absolutely everything he claimed to be, which is the, the, the Lord God in human form, come to die for our sins and pay the price so that we can get into heaven. If, and I believe that. I believe, as, as odd as that sounds, that that's exactly who he is. He's God in human form. There's just too much evidence to ignore. 
And so that's, that's really the best I could, way I can tell you. Early on in this conversation, uh, IQ represented the secularization of, of, of Christians in the United States and Europe and perhaps other countries. How does that reverse? How does, how does, not, does secularization not continue to grow in magnitude? Well, the two ways. First of all, we need to get involved in what I'm involved in, which is what's called yeah. apologetics. Apologetics is, is, is the methodology that we use to remove objections to the gospel. You know, Christianity has become very fat and complacent over the years, especially in Western Europe, where you have state churches and you have uh, a lot of myths and legend mixed in with the Bible, and people don't know what to believe, you know. So they become very cool towards religion, especially with the scandals in the church, you know. Who wants to believe uh, a set of rules when the leaders aren't even following these rules, right? So there's a lot of cynicism that's arisen. So Europe has become what we call a post-Christian situation. Now, now having said that, there's power in the Bible. We've got to get back to the Bible, and that's what I'm trying to, to encourage. I want people to read the Bible. Many people don't read the Bible. You know, they feel like they've been there, done that. It's I've had people tell me these are old ideas. No, these are, these are eternal ideas. The Bible is very, very relevant to today. We don't have to water it down. We don't have to make it palatable. We need to read it and follow it. And if we do that, we're going to be shocked because there's power in the words of God. But, you know, today we're distracted with cell phones, with video games, with Facebook, with TV, with radio, you name it. You know, we don't spend time anymore in, in soulful contemplation. You know, when David uh, heard from God, he was a shepherd boy sitting out under the stars at night with some sheep. And he was able to hear from God. Same with Abraham. Same with Paul. He went into the Arabian Desert for three years. All of these people spent time asking themselves the big questions of life. Who am I? Where am I going? Why am I here? What's my destiny? Um, you know, why was I created? Who is God? What does he expect of me? These are questions people should ask themselves. And yet no one's asking these questions anymore because we've been distracted. There's actually a good book out called Distracting Ourselves to Death. I recommend it. It's, it's a commentary on modern life, and basically we move from one activity to the other without so much as pausing or reflecting these days. And I tell you what, it's, it's, just, it's ruining the richer spiritual life of people. And then we have, you know, confusion and chaos. Okay. Thank you for spending the extra time with us today. Yes, yes. This, this definitely has been uh, very interesting. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, Daniel uh, Botafuco, for being with us today. And, of course, author of Consider the Evidence, a trial lawyer examines eyewitness testimony in defense of the reliability of the New Testament. You can get it on Amazon. And also uh, check out ConsiderTheEvidenceBook.com. And, uh, Daniel, thanks for being with us today. It's definitely been a uh, great conversation. God bless you guys. And I, I just pray that, you know, You'll continue carrying on these discussions. I think people need to be awakened. And thank you for having me on. Definitely. Thank you. Definitely. Now, um, uh, as we wrap up here with uh, with our program, we've got about ten minutes left here. Um, IQ, give us give us your thoughts on on what we just witnessed there with uh, with Daniel. I, I was amazed at his knowledge. By the way, I really was. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.